One of the coolest things I've done in my career and my life as a technologist is, is really like a couple of years ago, we got to task a satellite uh, to do a flyover and collect some data. And I basically got to call the satellite company and say like, here's the polygon, send us the data. And like a week later, we got like a stack of hard drives with all this data and it was just like, Holy smokes, there's terabytes of satellite imagery here. We were able to process it, ingest it, and make it accessible to our clients. Today on Afternoon Tea, I am super excited to have the Charles Levine, uh, CEO and co-founder of Lamazoo, joining us. Uh, Charles, before uh, we start here, let me just set this up. Charles Levine is the president and co-founder and CEO of Lamazoo. As CEO of Lamazoo, Charles' visionary leadership drives the company's mission to change the ways the world sees data. He is passionate about delivering innovative solutions to solve real-world problems using emerging technologies across the resource sector. Since co-founding the company in 2014 he has built Lamazoo from a lean startup to a profitable company Charles has 15 plus years of experience in new technology development spanning AAA video games and mobile app design where he turned concepts into live operations prior to Lamazoo Charles worked at home or at some of the world's largest video game companies including Microsoft Electronic Arts and Ubisoft you're probably working from home sometimes now um, as an authority of interactive AR VR and MR solutions in Enterprise and Industry 4.0. He has spoken at forums including South by Southwest, AWE, CVR, OCIO, PDAC, and iVentures. In his spare time, Charles enjoys hiking with his dog and camping. Charles, thank you so much for joining us today. Good to see you, Chris. It's fantastic. So, so I was, I was thinking, I mean, we always think of Lamazoo as, as, you know, being one of the leaders in, in AR, VR, um, and, you know, just quickly reading about the, 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 the video game background, is it really important to have experience in video games to take it, you know, to really understand AR and VR and, and how to leverage that to create great products? I think it makes a, a huge uh, difference. I mean, certainly the visual effects world and, and film and, Television also has a parallel, but uh, you know, not to get into the, the the details of what's real VR or not. But <laughs> you know, to have an exceptional VR experience or AR experience, you need interaction design, you need user experience design, and uh, the the video game world is just you know is, is steeped in that. And so, when you're creating those real time experiences that rely on interaction and heavy rendering and you know performance and frame rate like there's there's no other industry that has as many parallels as the video game industry yeah makes sense makes sense what well, well, well tell me can you why don't you just set up lamazoo give me the history about its founding tell, tell me the uh, tell me the story behind it please yeah sure so going back to 2014 uh my co-founder and i kevin oak we both had uh, basically decided we were done with the game industry and in the sense of you know creating entertainment uh, but we wanted to use the experience and expertise that we had in these real-time systems and game engines with big data and rendering and AI and uh, user experience design of course uh, but we wanted to apply it to real-world problems and so uh, the idea of Lamazoo kind of was born out of this and the name Llama Zoo was really just kind of a portmanteau of like llamas, which are these stoic creatures that 
are multi-purpose, you know, and where they come from. Uh, and zoo in the sense of, you know, we make sense of, of the zoo, you know. So mm -hmm. that's kind of where the name came from. And uh, we actually started in the education sector. Uh, so we built Easy Anatomy, which was mm -hmm. uh, at the time and still is today, uh, the world's most comprehensive virtual canine cadaver for veterinary medicine. Uh, Very cool. It's used by over a hundred universities worldwide. I, I think we're at, since COVID, we're over 130 universities now. Uh, and uh, effectively what that was is we took all of the data from veterinary medicine, that is medical imaging, which is volumetric in nature, uh, and created basically this compendium that would run on consumer grade devices, right? Like iPhones and tablets and, and MacBooks of the time. And really the, the value there, we kind of took a step back and we asked ourselves, we're like, what have we built here? Like, what, what is the real value of this application, this system? And, you know, veterinary medicine is a very complicated 3D subject matter, um, mm -hmm. but it was that uh, lowering the barrier to entry to big data, right? By making it accessible to all stakeholders from students to professors to educators to researchers, professionals, now all had the same data accessible in their pockets. And that's when we kind of asked ourselves, well, where else is there big data that can have a meaningful and profound impact on the world? And that's when we kind of looked into our backyards and looked at the natural resource sector and started uh, engaging and working with mining companies and forestry companies and now uh, government and First Nations and energy and renewables and, and the likes. Uh, so that's kind of the story of Lamazoo in a nutshell. Uh, and we've been building this platform since 2014 to do big data analysis and visualization in, in, in an interactive and engaging fashion. That's that's fantastic. That's that's awesome because uh, I I really love the name and uh, I I think it's super cool. It's super memorable too. Um, well, so your mission is to change the way the world sees data. So how have you managed to achieve this, or how are you going to manage to achieve this going forward? And you know, can you share any struggles uh, that you faced while uh, while uh, on this mission? Yeah, I mean, uh, so we've been doing that kind of industry by industry, and I think you know the. We, it's up to us to really kind of create the depth uh, in how we change uh, and how we enable people to engage with data. But if you look at veterinary medicine uh, as an example, uh, for a hundred years, they've been using textbooks that are literally a hundred years old. <laughs> textbooks don't really change that much. They get glossier and the pictures <laughs> maybe get nicer, but, uh, and cadaver dissection, which is pretty primitive at best, right? Like you've got four or five, maybe eight students sharing a cadaver for the, the term or the year. And by the end of the term, it's uh, it's not pretty, right? And <laughs> you have limited access to the lab to do that. There's uh, formulins, right? Which are carcinogenic. Uh, nobody kind of really enjoys that experience. So by making all of that data from everything that's in a textbook to the pedagogy that the professors and teachers are, are using to train the students and the quizzing, uh, right? Tying all of that together with AI, 
right? Mm -hmm. And then visualizing it and then engaging in accessible and exploratory fashion, we've totally changed mm -hmm. how veterinary medicine uh, and anatomy specifically is trained and, and learned from, right? So now take that same kind of paradigm and apply it to, uh, you know, geology or mining engineering or the, the engineering uh, life of mine for a 25 year or 30 year mining project, right? Like even myself, I didn't fully comprehend the, the process and the phases that a mine goes through mm. until I was able to see it all in our tools and in our systems. And I was like, wow, I get it now, right? So you've got the exploration, the engineering, the operations, the closure and reclamation, but you know, there's a whole life of mine that happens there. And there's so much data that goes, uh, that's created from all these different departments and experts and tools out there in, in their respective industries. And we're not looking to replace that, but what we're looking to do is really package it up, right? So that that data can now be accessed by other stakeholders that aren't necessarily subject matter experts in you know, drilling or geology or road design and planning and uh, closure, right? So those stakeholders span from internal stakeholders, right? Executives and uh, comms people to investor relations to external stakeholders, not just investors, but the local community, the local mm -hmm. First Nations, you know, policymakers, uh, mm -hmm. government, you know, the environmental agencies, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. So by creating this, this framework that allows everybody to access the same data, we basically lower the barrier to entry to that data. And now everybody can make better decisions, more informed decisions, and better communicate with each other around the project. And our hope is that we can reduce, you know, the time it takes for responsible and uh, you know, critical projects to, to come to fruition, right? We're not looking to enable uh, irresponsible companies out there to, to mm. that's not what we're doing. We're, we're trying to make it so that everybody can have a meaningful discussion that's data-driven so that meaningful critical decisions can be made in a more timely fashion. That's that 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 makes so so much sense. Well, first, I'm a I'm a real twin, uh, as you may or may not know, and you're talking digital twinning here, which is you know something I should know a lot more about. But I, I love the way how you're talking about it from the perspective of multiple. You know, it's the same data set, it's the same vision. You know, way of looking at it, but you have multiple different industries and disciplines getting different. You know. Different using the same information, get the different perspective. And that's why this holistic way of, of looking at it is so powerful. Uh, because you know, you you're the map and in a, in a much better map than just a piece of paper where you know a flat image is very hard to get. Whereas, you know, yeah. this is something that, you know, even those who are uns I don't want to say unsophisticated, but less sophisticated mm -hmm. can take a look at it and go, hey, I understand. So, you know, from the education side to the legal side to the the just, hey, I want to know so I can make some proper decisions and be empowered, you know, the tools you're creating are super powerful. Um yeah, that's exactly right. Right. And, so and there's cool. there's the full gamut of the different, you know, expertise out there, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, oftentimes data is locked within the silos of the subject matter experts and the tools that they have to use. So yeah, it's just a matter of how can we unlock that, make that accessible to a broader set of stakeholders. 
Sure. No, that's cool. Well, you know, I want to I want to go back to your to the to the 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 the, the digital twin of the the dog cadaver. Okay. I don't, is there is do you guys have a pet name for for the dog cadaver? You have to have a pet name. Yeah, right? it's, it's Jetson. It's Jetson. Her, her, yeah. It is. Oh my god. That, yeah. well, that that was giving me my question. Is it the same dog, or do you actually have visualizations of different types of dogs too? Because obviously, Roxy, my my sausage of a dog that's down there, is very different from my brother's dog, who's like just sure. a monster of a dog. In, in your in your in your offering, does it is it is there multiple different types of dogs, or is it uh, roughly the same? Because the you know the, the inside of it's roughly the same. Yeah. So I mean, uh, foundational anatomy is typically taught from you know medium to large breed dogs, and mm -hmm. that's typically like say a German Shepherd or a Labrador or Golden Retriever, uh, just mm -hmm. because they're very common breeds. Uh, mm -hmm. And anatomy is anatomy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Some different uh, breeds have, you know, idiosyncrasies, you know, like uh, uh, Frenchies have like smushed faces and all mm -hmm. that, but that's, that's very specific. And usually for anatomy, uh, for vets, they'll learn in the first two years of general anatomy and then specialize. Mm -hmm. You know, so some vets will go and specialize in equine or bovine mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. And then it's comparative anatomy. So we've, sure. we've explored doing, you know, additional modules. But mm -hmm. the, the challenge with uh, the education sector, and this kind of goes back to your prior question, some of the challenges that we've mm -hmm. kind of experienced and faced is the cost of creating content is exceptionally high, mm -hmm. right? And that's why in the entertainment space, whether it's film and, and television and video games, uh, the, the, the payoff is a lot greater, right? So there's this publisher model that funds the development uh, and, and the, the, you know, the, the, the recoup is on the distribution and, and the sale through, uh, but we don't have that, right? In, mm. in the educational software or in world of enterprise software. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, either takes really deep pockets or a really, uh, committed customer or client to work with to kind of see those things come through. And unfortunately for us, we found that the education sector was uh, not necessarily the ideal customer for a young, growing startup, right? Like when we started the company, it was just two of us out of a coffee shop and we grew it and, you know, we're, we're the size we are today, which is about 30. Um, but you know, luckily we had an investor that believed in the vision and, and mm -hmm. believed in helping us bring the product to market that allowed us to kind of spend two years to create this compendium of, of content. Mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately when it came down to it, talking to other universities, they'd be like, well, we want the bovine or the equine module. And we're like, oh, okay, great. That's going to be $200,000. They're like, no way. Yeah. Right. So then it's like, Okay, how do we do this? We can't mm -hmm. unless so nat nat natural resources. Then, well, it, it was kind of like, well, if we're going to go into this world of like data visualization, right? We don't want to, and it's not that we created content uh, for the veterinary uh, application. You know, we partnered with the educators, and they wrote a lot of like written content and pedagogy, right, mm -hmm. uh, from their curriculums and stuff. Um, but the, uh, the, the medical data was from CT and MRI, but took quite a considerable amount of effort to process and convert and, and you know, make it look the way it looks. 
Whereas with like, if we take more of a data-driven approach, there's no artistic interpretation. The data is what it is, mm -hmm. right? So if a mining company is drilling, they have results from those cores, those core samples, right? They're, they're photographed, they're analyzed. It's, it's kind of a scientific approach. And really our job is just to kind of ingest that data, convert mm -hmm. it, process it, and then visualize it and create tools on top of that so that you know different analyses can occur. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as a result, you know, when we were say 10 or 15 uh, in the easy anatomy days, we have a number, we had a number of like 3D artists and uh, modelers and that kind of stuff that were manipulating and you know converting the CT and MRI data. Today, mm -hmm. we only have one 3D modeler because mm -hmm. we don't actually do 3D modeling. We don't do the data content. Does. <laughs> yeah, the data does. It's all data driven. Yeah. Oh, no, that makes total sense. And isn't it a sad truth? Because we did, we did some stuff in the early days around education as well. And the sad truth is the investment just isn't there when it should be. You know, it should be. I'm, yeah. I'm a dad. I am, you know, I want to see my kids have the best. And it sounds like what you're, you know, what you're creating is, is, is information that everyone can consume in an easier way. So uh, I hope that investment comes in. But then again, it makes sense. Natural resources, the, the investments there, the money's there um, because they have a path to the return on the investment, much like what you said in the in the uh, film and um, you know TV industry. They, there's a model that works really yeah. well, uh, whereas the model is a bit more challenging in education. And there's only so many private institutions that are looking to pony up. Um, and at the end of the day, they, don't, they want to be competitive. So they don't want to share a lot of that stuff too. So again, it's broken across the board which uh which i did well i mean one thing i've always liked i mean lamazoon we, we, we i've seen lots you know about the award-winning you know solutions and natural resources educational like all the stuff you create um but what's what's the most rewarding solution you've created so far i think well it's 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 the platform and it's the emergent kind of use cases of the platform that i think are really rewarding so uh you know about a year year and a half ago we started engaging uh, and working with more First Nations. Mm. And uh, there was kind of this moment that it clicked for me. I was like, if we give them the same access to data that industry and policymakers have, they can make better decisions. They can be more informed. They can then participate in the process and maybe even flip the model on its head where it's not industry coming to them, it's, hey, we have this territory, it belongs to us. We are the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're the, we are the keepers of this land. And we know there are some valuable resources that can be, you know, responsibly developed. Mm -hmm. Please come and bid on them, right? And it's a completely different model than how things currently work, which I think for me, uh, we're starting to see the fruition of this. Like we're working with Mojap Luchalat, uh, you know, we digitally twinned, uh, you know, 350,000 hectares of their territory, which wow. is like a huge amount of land. Uh, and now they're using it to engage with industry. And when industry is engaging with them, it, it's through our platform, which that's is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, For me, and, and, and it's and just that's, like, wow, that's a yeah. game changer. For complete, Have you talked with other uh, First Nations groups about how you can help empower them as well? Yeah, so this last year, actually, since uh, March, uh, so it's been a year now, we've started a First Nations innovation kind of program. Mm. Uh, we have some dedicated resources 
that are going out there and starting to work with more and more First Nations across Canada. We're, we've been primarily focused on BC, but mm-hmm. we're starting to branch out across Canada because this problem is nationwide and it also it's, mm-hmm. it's global, right? Like whether you look at the Amazon and or, or you know, South Africa or wherever in Australia, right? Like just a few months ago, Rio Tinto, there was a huge article about Rio Tinto blowing up some caves that had, yeah. you know, 100,000 year old cave drawings on them. And it's just like, that's, that's. The CEO yeah, had to resign out of that. Yeah. Like, which, which shows the importance of this. So, you yeah. know, not, you know, in, in long-term goals, both in terms of culture and in terms of business, because that just can't happen. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's I, part I, of our, it's, a, it's part of our, you know, global heritage, right? Like uh, as humanity, mm-hmm. like where did we come from? What are the stories that we told the, the challenges that we face, right? Like that's how we used to transcribe that is through cave drawings and mm-hmm. other methods, right? Tablets and et cetera, et cetera. So if we destroy that, we're destroying our history. Yeah. And yeah. we're destroying it before we even understand it. And before you can twin it, before you can get yeah. all the data yeah. so that we can yeah. keep it in perpetuity. You know, it might exactly. not be in the original format, but it's probably in a lot more of an accessible format, which is yeah. which is just as important. Well, you know what? T- t- tell me this, because I'm kind of intrigued, because I love the fact that you say you're data-driven. So the data models are actually coming from the data as opposed to you drawing it, maybe going, eh, that's not 100% correct when at the end of the day, no, the data is the data. How do you yeah. get the data to create those models. So like land surveys or any of these things, how, how does the data get into your hands? Yeah, it's a, you know, sensors today are incredible, right? From what what drones can capture, but also aerial uh, sensors and LIDAR, both mm-hmm. ground-based and aerial LIDAR. Uh, and then going all the way up to satellite imagery, right? And those are getting more and more advanced every, mm-hmm. you know, couple of years. It's uh, one of the coolest things I've done in my career or my life as a technologist is, mm-hmm. is really like a couple of years ago, we got to task a satellite uh, to do a flyover and collect some data. And I basically got to call the satellite company and say like, here's the polygon, send us the data. And like a nice. week later, we got like a stack of hard drives with all this data. And it was just like, Holy smokes, there's terabytes of satellite imagery here. And we were able to process it, ingest it, and make it accessible to our client. Oh man, that gives me spy level goosebumps. You know, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen <laughs> enough movies where I've wanted to do that to yeah. actually call yeah. that in. You know, yeah. I, 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 that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, you know what? You, you, so you, you guys are in Vancouver, Victoria. Yeah. Is that, that's correct. And, yeah. um, you know, you worked in Montreal as well, from my understanding. From yeah. from my my research department, we'll we'll call it that. <laughs> um, but why why choose Victoria? Um, you know, besides the you know the obvious of the the nature and all that, why choose Victoria as a home base? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like it's. Uh, I've always loved being on the ocean. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for me, you know, living in Montreal was uh, was really rewarding. It was an exceptional experience. I love Montreal. I can't mm-hmm. wait to go back after. You know the restrictions are lifted, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe spend the summer there or some time there again. But uh, you know, after living in Montreal, I came back to Vancouver, and uh, I love Vancouver. I think it's it's an exceptional, world class city. Uh, but the cost of living and the uh, you know uh, commute times and 
just all of these little things were starting to amount uh, to, you know, lowering my quality of life. And I had an opportunity to come to the island and I took it and I was like, well, I'll see what it's like. I wasn't intending on being here for more than two years. And that two years has now turned into uh, nine or 10, right? And it's, we've got an office on the water, on the harbor, right? Get to see the sunset every day. I walk literally 15 minutes from office to home along the water uh, and I'm, no more than 20 minutes away from nature in any direction, whether it's like surfing, hiking, mountain biking, kayaking. Uh, and it's it's just an incredible way to live, right? I, so I, get, I guess that's okay. Is, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> quality of life is through the roof. There's less rain here. You know, I can go on and on. No, I dig, I dig. Incredible I mean, I love restaurants, yeah. Yeah, no, I love, I love visiting. I mean, my parents actually live in Salt Springs. So it's one of those, Every time I get on a ferry, I realize I'm going to Salt Spring, and then I, I'm I'm actually butchering myself from not going to Victoria enough because um, right. you only want to get on so many ferries. Um, but mm-hmm. well, you know, th- this is interesting because I I've noticed, you know, with obviously with 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 COVID and kind of you know the the the, the what you said about you know choosing lifestyle and all that, um, being at the center of the of you don't need to be in the office as much, but you also don't have to be like, you don't have to focus on, oh, it's a big city. You know, Victor- Victoria is mm-hmm. a big city. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean to say it's not a big city. It, it's no, big. it is a big city. I mean, for Canada, it's a big city. Okay. Yeah. Do you find now, like maybe pre-COVID, it was maybe harder short of like UVAC or some people that wanted to stay there or have a lifestyle to hire from there. But do you find now it's easier because you can, you can like people are open to, oh yeah, you can just work wherever. Or I don't want to live in Vancouver. I want to live in Victoria. Have you found that there's a positive out of, out of this, you know, COVID experience uh, that we've all been facing? Yeah. I mean, I, actually, yeah, I'd say there's definitely been a shift where people aren't necessarily thinking they have to be in Vancouver or Toronto or Seattle or, you know, like there's been a huge exodus, uh, you know, from most major cities in California as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been following that, but it's, mm-hmm. it has made hiring quite, quite a bit easier. Um, we haven't gone so far as to like, you know, juggling multiple time zones. So we're still actually able to hire mostly in the, uh, the Western time zone, which has mm-hmm. been great. Uh, and, you know, it's also on us to be flexible. Where do people want to be, right? So we've had some employees uh, temporarily relocate during COVID, right, with mm-hmm. the intention of moving back home and and that kind of stuff. And it's just like, well, it doesn't change from anything for me. It's just like, as long as you're going to be on time and getting the work done and on time, mm-hmm. I mean, for like meetings and stuff, like it doesn't yeah. really change anything. So mm-hmm. yeah, by all means, go, go home or go, go to this other place. Um, yeah. It's nice. And then it? in terms of recruiting, I mean, UVic and Royal Roads and uh, you know, uh, Camosun, uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they have great programs mm-hmm. uh, respectively. And uh, we work a lot with UBC and SFU and BCIT as well. Uh, and that's just gives us a, a broader kind of pool to kind of hire from. Uh, that's not to say it's easy. You know, we're still competing with like Amazon, Google, and Microsoft. Oh, yeah. Who's like gobbling everybody up. But uh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're facing the same thing. It's actually kind of interesting because, you know, traditionally we would not hire outside of the, the lower mainland. Um, but we found that, you know, it's kind of expanded our pool in terms of, of, of it, um, you know, options. And it's kind of been like kind of like a fifth column option for us too, in the sense of we have a, a you know, a lot of people out in Ontario now, which we, which we hadn't. In fact, Shreya, who's on this, uh, you know, invisible to us right now, she's in Toronto. And it's kind of, I call it the fifth column because where we were always thought about, okay, we, we build an office and then, you know, or we put an office and then we start hiring for it in Toronto because yeah. that's yeah. a goal for us, for example. But now it's like, well, we already have the people. I guess we need to get the office. You know, it's, it's <laughs> kind of gone in reverse, but it's in a, yeah. it's in a really positive way. You know, we, we our sales is out there, a whole bunch of people. So, uh, um, right. you know, COVID, I mean, I heard, this is awful. I heard this on the radio and I, I apologize to everyone because I don't take this lightly, but I heard because yesterday was the first death that happened in BC. It's the anniversary of the real pandemic. And I, I hate to say it that way, but it made me kind of reflect on my gosh, it has been one year since you know all of this, and we we do come to the office. I see the year at the at the office, so I, but I assume the numbers aren't that big. We have five of us today. Well, there's one right there when I say that, right? Yeah. Um, that's Jose. He's CEO. wearing a mask, so that's <laughs> he, good. he is wearing a mask. It's it's it, you know we we pass the we pass the test. Well, hey, yeah. you know one thing that I I, I want to ask as well. So. Um, my brother, um, and actually I talked about this yesterday with uh, with Eduardo Martin from, uh, uh, now it's at Cubic Farms. Jeff yep. Booth sits on your board. And Jeff is someone that I have a lot of respect for. Um, you know, my brother and he sit on the board of, um, um, as a board of director, whatever it is for the v Richmond Hospital. Um, mm -hmm. And I know we were talking about him. So maybe, you know, a board of advisors thing or something like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, and he was kind of sheepish about it. And then the next day, boom, the big announcement for you guys, uh, which I think is fantastic. Can you tell me how um, how you got Jeff to sit, to sit uh, cause he does, sit, he sits on your board? That's correct. Yeah, right? yeah. he's our, he's our chairman actually. He, he's um, the chairman of all great companies. I mean, that's I a real honor to have. Yeah, yeah. And I asked him to be, I was like, listen, Jeff, I, I don't want to be chairman and I'd love it if you could be because that's going to free me up to do all of these other things that, you know, I'm not going to have to focus on uh, as chairman. And he was like, yep, yeah, I'd be happy to. And, you know, that was after he was, he had been on the board for a few quarters. Uh, but mm -hmm. effectively how that started is uh, we started developing a relationship through uh, the Cascadia Innovation Corridor yeah. uh, and then uh, through Creative Destruction Lab and, you know, a few different times and uh, super clusters kept running into each other and started, uh, you know, talking and really developing a relationship. And uh, he wanted to help, you know, he's like, I believe in you. Uh, how do you, how can I help you? And I was like, well, this, this is what I'm currently trying to do. I'm trying to build a board of, you know, exceptional executives to help mm -hmm. drive this company uh, to the next chapters. And she was like, okay, let's do it. Let's build a board. Awesome. And he was like, "Who? who's your dream team? He effectively asked me. And I was lucky enough to, with him, we were able to put together a dream team. And it was like, it was the people that I wanted on the board, right? Which Amazing. Edo and Hannes and, and Greg Davignon now. And, uh, so you have Edo as well on there after yeah. I said that? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Greg, wow, that is, that, you know what, that's yeah. honestly, that's that's super impressive. I mean, these are great people to, you know, not just give, you know, guidance and, and impression, but really drive your business. So con congratulations yeah. on that. That's super, yeah. 
Um, and I guess with Eduardo, I mean, it makes so much sense with the Microsoft, you know, the, the play, I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I guess I shouldn't spread rumors because they're not really rumors because I've talked, you know, talked to the, to the powers that be, but I know he did such a huge thing for the guys at Finger Foods too, and in directing, you know, opening up doors for them. Um, this yeah. guy, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's really impressive, I got to say. And uh, yeah. I, I love what he's doing with Cubic Farms. Uh, we were talking to him about it yesterday. I'm a huge I'm an old guy. I'm a nerd. I love, you know, in the tens, I love my garden and to have it, you know, put in the back of a car and it just automates uh, or not a car for me, like a, a big truck thing. I can yeah. see why he'd find that exciting. Um, yeah. So, so again, congratulations. That's a really, really cool team to have behind you and, and to believe in you, uh, which is, you know, a, a pat on the back and, and, and an honor to be had. Um, well, you know what, why, why don't we do this? Cause I mean, AR, VR, I mean, obviously, you know, you guys are really well known for that. Where do you see the technology going? Like, what, what do you think, you know, the next step, are yeah i mean i think it's it's just going to continue becoming more ubiquitous in our daily lives right like you've got the ipad now which has uh you know entry level lidar sensor which is like really really cool because we can mm -hmm. start scanning the world in 3d objects right and so as we start digitizing and things uh become more cloud enabled like we're, we're still waiting for the killer application what the killer application in uh mobile phones in particular smartphones it was uh was actually mapping mapping and then social media that's what really drove adoption of the smartphone right and then it was the app ecosystem and all this kind of stuff that just kind of accelerated it uh, but we're still waiting for or looking for that that killer application. I think actually it's it's going to be mapping again, but mapping the world into the digital so that we can navigate the digital world with our <laughs> devices. Uh, so kind of the, the metaverse, if you will, but that's sure. kind of very sci-fi to think about, you know, but like for, for me, uh, you know, you look at the HoloLens and it's an incredible, uh, you know, technological device. It's so mm -hmm. magical. Like, it doesn't matter that it has a small field of view. It's just the amount of technology that's crammed in that device and what's happening in real time is, is mind-blowing, right? Mm -hmm. And we're only in 2020. Like, where is this going to be in 2025 and 2030, yeah, right? Especially when as they move sensors, the footprint size down, you know? Exactly. As sensors yeah. become smaller and cheaper and processing increases and connectivity increases with 5G, Right, mm -hmm. more and more of the data is going to exist on the cloud, yeah. uh, you know, with privacy uh, considerations, right? Uh, but that's going to unlock, you know, kind of that that next generation, that next wave of, of digital content consumption and, and creation. Yeah, no, I I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think really you need, you need, I mean, I've seen the devices come out now, you know, the, the Samsung glasses and the, um, who else was it? The, um, oh shoot. Um, uh, the San Diego CPU company or the, I can't think of the name all of a sudden, but and, you know, I've seen their, I've seen their, their glasses and videos and you know, Apple's going to be coming out with them at some point. And, yeah. and they look, I mean, they're trying to look cool. I don't know. They, they, they still look a little heavy in the front and everything, but you just see the direction they're going. And, and I agree with the mapping because once you can start having indexed information, you know, transported on top of your day-to-day -day life and you can, you know, as long as it doesn't get too freaky, like, Hey, that's, mm. you know, that's Charles. He likes yogurt or something like that. That's going to be, you know, Show, shown with it um yeah it, it's going to be pretty cool you know it's it's yeah. it's going to be pretty cool and and um you know hopefully, hopefully i think there's going to be a convergence with like uh not social networks per se but the you know the the trends with uh social broadcasters right 
Mm. So you've got Twitch and YouTube and all of these streaming platforms that are going to be increasingly more and more digital, right? Mm -hmm. And increasingly more and more spatial, right? Because we're still in this like video plane, but uh, Twitch, these are, these are in the 3D world, right? Like these are games. Mm -hmm. So what if you could Twitch stream and join somebody's actual game, right? Or see their experience from, you know, a virtual or AR context or experience. What does it look like when Pokemon Go becomes even more immersive, right? Like what is Niantic working on? That, that's, that's, that sounds like a nightmare because my brother won't stop playing that game. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess my son can go into his universe and they can enjoy it together and I can turn my headphones off so I don't have to listen to it. But right. I, I, t I totally dig that. I mean, that convergence is everything. I mean, I, I like VR is great. But if you can't share the experience, it's only yeah. so great, you know? Yeah. And AR, I think, is really where the power is going to go because I think that's, you know, where all of a sudden you have real information on top of, you know, what you're used to in the day. And, mm -hmm. and you know, you don't, need mm -hmm. to, you don't need to have the whole world shut off to you. You need to have the world indexed upon you. So you, you have that information. So, uh, yeah. um, well, very cool. Hey, Charles, thanks so much for your time today. You know, I, I really enjoy chatting. Uh, congratulations for everything you and, you know, Lamazoo have created. And I, I can't wait for the next 10 years of following the, the, the great impactful things that you, uh, you know, continue to create. Likewise. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Ahoy, Afternoon Tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you like this episode and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcasts and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast focusing on the business of technology in Canada. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we'd love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at ttt, that's three T's, dot studio, S-T-U-D-I-O. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us on social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.